Hello everyone, today is March 21st, and if it's Sunday, then this is The Delve. Black Lives Matter, BLM, protest, riots. It seems that this term means different things to everyone. The movement began as a hashtag back in 2013, after the acquittal of George Zimmerman, after he had shot and killed African-American teenager Trayvon Martin. Black Lives Matter grew into a larger national movement following the 2014 death of Michael Brown, which resulted in the protests and unrest in Ferguson, Missouri. And then we can't forget Eric Gardner in New York City. He was approached by the police for allegedly selling a loose cigarette. During his interaction with the officers, he was placed in a chokehold. He then told officers 11 times, I can't breathe. These three words became a rallying cry for the BLM movement. Last year, we heard these three words once again, this time from an African-American man named George Floyd. Floyd was approached by four officers after a store clerk alleged that he attempted to use a counterfeit $20 bill. One of the officers knelt on Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. He died. It was after this egregious police killing that Black Lives Matter became an international phenomenon. Protesters took to the streets not just in the U.S., but in countries around the world. At the heart of this movement, Black Lives Matter is a protest against, one, police brutality, but also, two, racially motivated discrimination. Due to the high prevalence of such discrimination, this was a movement that a lot of people of color could easily subscribe to. Today I speak with Mark Franklin, a primary teacher from London. He had never gone to a protest before, but this was his first, and this time it was different. Hey Mark, how's it going? I'm very good, how are you? I'm pretty good. Good. Today we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter, BLM, and what that means in the UK. Yep. Are you ready? I am ready. Ready to go. Let's do this. Let's go. Over the summer in 2020, we had an explosion of protests yep. across the world. Mm-hmm. But there were actually some pretty strong reactions in London. Walk us through that. I think social media had a massive part to play in it. I think because, you know, Everybody across the world, they saw the videos that were circulating of what happened to George Floyd. And, you know, it's it's something that, as we all know, was completely inhumane what happened. And I think it just it sparked something in so many, so many people, particularly, you know, those of us of colour, where, you know, we feel like we've been impacted in some way, simply from either just by walking down the street or going to the, the shops or by one of our friends making a comment that they haven't realized is racist or, you know, being hurt in some way in that context, even though it's completely different. And yeah, I think it just, it sparked a huge change across the world to, you know, make us realize actually, do you know what? 
we need to speak up for this as well as America, because it's not just America, it happens, even though on social media, you see that it predominantly comes from there. Right. It's, it's, it's a world, it's a worldwide issue and always has been. And this triggered it to become what it was. I want to go a little bit more in like a micro level. Yeah. This was your first time going to a protest. Yeah. First time ever. Yeah. Ever. Yep. And it became a bit of a whirlwind. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, well, we've always got things that we, you know, feel we need to stand up for and believe in. But there was just there was something about this. I, I can't. It's hard to like kind of put into words what I just felt like I needed to be there. I needed to support what this was because someone who I'm being half black myself, you know, it's something that, you know, it does affect me in, you know, in a way. And amongst everything else that's going on in the world with the pandemic, you know, I feel like there was a lot of people that were trying to use that as a way to say, oh, we can't support this right now because there's more important things going on in the world where it's like, well, no, this is this is a very important issue and a very important matter. And, you know, yes, the pandemic was going on and is still going on, but this is something that has been deeply ridden within the world for for hundreds of years, for the longest time. And yeah, I just I felt like I needed to be part of something that is something that was such a monumental moment in history for all of us really, for us to be able to speak up and say how we feel and support you know, everything that happened in the US, it's changed the entire world. Tell me what a Black Lives Matter protest looks like. How yeah. does it start? How do you find out about it? What it's, happens? So it's it's mainly social media that it comes from. So you have a lot of um, Instagram pages that are predominantly for BLM, the BLM movement. Um, and obviously they gain a lot of following and they're, they're kind of the people that start the protests off so a date is given on their Instagram page and then obviously that gets shared and it says, you know, be there at this time, um, come with banners, come with signs, make sure, you know, they were very clear to say, make sure you wear masks. They were, I made it very clear as well that it's a peaceful protest. This is masked because of the pandemic or masked? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because of the, yeah, because of the pandemic. So they, you know, they took all those, all these things into account that were happening. So they're taking like safety precautions. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. Okay. And they made it very clear as well that this is a peaceful protest. So it was, you know, there was no promotion of violence in any shape or form. It was literally to be there for a peaceful protest to stand up for black lives. You get to the starting point yeah. of the protests. There is a leader. There's not a leader. No, when I when I got there, there was I have genuinely never seen London so busy in my life. I have never <laughs> seen anything like it. It was literally packed to the brim. It was it was busy on a Christmas day, so that says a lot. <laughs> like Christmas shopping day, but yeah, I, like, I got off the tube and there was just there was a whole mix of people there as well. Everyone with their signs and their banners, and you know, having conversations with their friends around them who they were with. Then everyone was just walking in the same direction, just slowly walking um, towards. I can't remember where we stopped, but everyone was going in the same direction at the same pace as well. No, there was no, everyone was just having, was talking. There was just nice conversations. Um, and then it was almost like a ripple effect of, of a silence because as you're walking, you could just see people were starting to take one knee for George Floyd. And then mm -hmm. you could just hear this massive silence just go across 
everybody. So everybody, you know, took a knee and then there was just pure silence for a couple of minutes. And then someone amongst the crowd, you know, started to kick off the chant of no justice, no peace, uh, no justice, no peace. And then you'd repeat it. Then when we talk about the crowd, yeah. are we talking a few hundred people, thousands? Thousands, easily. Thousands? Easily. Thou- yeah, Multiple thousands of thousands. people. Yeah, easily. It was, you couldn't move. You just couldn't move. It's really interesting because obviously the George Floyd catastrophe. Yeah. It's, you know, singularly American. And for it to have like effects across the Atlantic, it speaks to something that's also like happening in London and yep. in the UK. Mm-hmm. Some type of sense of discrimination or prejudice that British people of color go through. Yeah, definitely. And it def- it happens here. I think so much more than people thought as well, especially for, right. you know, people who have lived here all their lives and don't experience Do you think that. like British people did not perhaps know that this was like a thing? Oh yeah, there was definitely a handful, 100%. <laughs> I, I, it <laughs> would were not like, surprise this me doesn't at all. happen in, in London? Oh my, so many, so, yeah. so many. I, I even have friends or people that I know that have gone, oh yeah, racism isn't a thing here. It's not, and it's and you know, like when they've said that to me, I'll just look at them, yeah, and I'm just like, really? I'm like, come on now, like it's definitely here, but just in a more, it's obviously not as aggressive as yeah. it is in the US. In America, so, yeah. it's a little bit more like life or death, lethal. Yeah, mm-hmm. people die literally. Yeah, because of it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, it's more of a verbal attack rather than a physical attack. Right. Wow. I guess, tell me about the time where you spoke at a rally. Yeah, so where I live is just outside of London. And a lot of the towns in the area, they were doing BLM protests. And they were asking for like local people to come and speak or to perform a song or to do anything, really. Um, so I decided, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity to use my voice and speak. So I was up for hours hours and hours writing something trying to think of something that is going to be effective what do you think it was that kind of inspired you to volunteer to speak i think it was just a sheer fact of how widespread this became and you know the impact one perhaps experience that you had in mind that you were like you know i felt this before i've gone through this before i Mm -hmm. want to speak out against it yeah i mean I've had a couple of experiences myself and then there was one that my dad had told me recently after recently before the protests happened was he went on holiday somewhere in the UK with his partner. He went into went into like a gift shop there and a man came up to him and this is going to sound it sounds crazy but kid you not he told me he said to me that went up to him and said oh you look a bit dirty you look like you haven't had a wash literally just said that and yeah, my, obviously my dad told me in full detail what happened. And obviously my dad, rightly so, completely kicked off and was, you know, was like, what did you say? How could you say yeah, something yeah. like that? And, you know, and it's just, that's just downright disgusting, really. And this was last year, in 2020. Yeah. yeah. And for me, the experiences I've had, you know, when I've been to simple things, just like when you walk into the shop, you know, when I walk to a clothes store and if I've got a hoodie on, sometimes security, they naturally assume that you're going to steal something. Right. Uh, so well i've got my wallet and i've got my debit card like everybody else <laughs> and i'm gonna spend about a hundred pound but if you keep looking at me i'm gonna spend 50 <laughs> so 
Yeah, but um, I mean, even I went to go and visit friends who live up north, so in places like Yorkshire or Doncaster, like areas like that. And these are places hours north of London. Yeah, this is like far away from London, like up in the north of the UK. And up there, it is a predominantly white area. So obviously, when I've gone up there to visit my friends, you know, I met their friends and family, and they're all white. Mm -hmm. So I was the only one of color there. Straight away, I felt uncomfortable because I already know that up in that area, there's a lot of, you know, they don't have much of an understanding of culture as such because they don't experience it up there like we do in London. You know, I remember introducing myself to someone and they were like, oh, what's your name? And I said, oh, my name's Mark. And they went, Mark? They were like, you don't look like a Mark. So obviously I was like, first thing I said, I was, oh, like, I was like, so what do, what do I look like? Please tell me, I'd love to know. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, you look more like a tray. I was like, okay. <laughs> what do, I was like, I don't know what to say to this. So they were like, yeah, you look more like a tray. And they were like, do you know what? I'm going to call you Trey instead. I was like, no, my name's Mark. Like, that's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't even want to laugh at this. They're deciding that your name it's not your name any longer. Yeah, that does not fit with my appearance or what I look you. like. Yep. And mm -hmm. they've now given you another name. Yep, a whole other name that doesn't even sound like my name. Yeah. Yep. It's more ethnically acceptable for them. According to them, it is, yeah, yeah apparently. So, wow. yeah, and this same group of people, there was a, a girl there and she told me it was it was crazy. Like, she had a drink, <laughs> but it's not an excuse. I was dancing, she was like, she was like Oh, you remind me of someone. Who do you remind me of? Who do you oh, remind gosh. me of? And you could probably tell what's coming. And then she said, um, Oh, you remind me of um what's that group? Oh, one of the Jackson Five. I was like, Okay. And then she was like, Which one is it? I can't figure it out. And I kid you not. She went, she was like, Oh, Michael, you remind me of Michael. Like I, that. I have no words. <laughs> and I just I stood there and I couldn't help but laugh because I was just like, is she actually saying this with <laughs> such confidence and thinking that it's funny without realizing what she's actually doing. And then I told my friend, I was like, you need to tell her to, to calm down now because she's going too far. Right. Because she just, she didn't realize how she was coming across. It was her tone of voice, the way that she was saying it. And yeah, it was just, it was so bizarre to me that I just had to laugh it off because I thought if I don't laugh it off, then it's gonna, I'm gonna have the opposite reaction of laughing. We'll be right back. Registering voters is hard work. The Democratic Voter Project is now selling shirts where you can register a new voter by scanning a QR code directly on the shirt. With this shirt, you can now register a voter anytime, anywhere. But that's not all. With every t-shirt purchased, you plant five trees. Purchase a shirt now at demvp.org shirt. I want to bring us back to the time where you're writing the words that you're going to mm -hmm. say at the rally yeah what's rushing through your head i mean all those those experiences they definitely came into my head and part of me was like should i talk about those in front of all these people but then part of me thought no that's probably not the best idea because they're not going to understand how it made me feel so i thought let me draw on people that you know from our past you know iconic people from our past that have you know been at the forefront of it i like to when i write i like to use a lot of um like rhyme and sort of spoken word sure. context. So I tried to use that as much as possible, you know, bringing up songs such as like Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, or A Change Is Gonna Come. So I, you know, tried to include titles of those songs within what I was saying. Yeah. Because, you know, those songs are in relation to protests and, you know, like right. what's going on with the world today. 
which is exactly what we were all saying last year and we're still saying nine days into 2021. I think just more drawing on the fact of how much words can hurt can hurt you yeah. without you even realising what you're saying and that, you know, you do need to think about what you say before you speak because, you know, it might affect someone in one way, but it will affect someone in a completely different way. Not everyone is going to react in the same way. And, you know, just something that, they're going to remember when they walk away from that protest at the end of the day. Um, I guess as well is, you know, the emotion of what I'm saying, you know, that yes, I've written this down on a piece of paper, but it's come from my heart and that, you know, I mean every word that I've put onto this paper and I want you to hear it and hear in my voice. The passion. Yeah. Why, why I'm standing here in front of, yep. it ended up being nearly a thousand people, something crazy like that. And I want you to hear why I'm standing here saying this to you in front of all of these people. You know, I didn't have to do it, but I felt like I had to, so. Let's actually play a little bit of Mark. By myself, I'm a movement, but together we are a force. A force to be reckoned with that can bring change. Change will come, change is coming. Our black women, our black children, our black men, our black LGBTQ community are all beautiful and powerful. All their lives matter and must continue to matter as equally as the lives of others. Let our faces be seen. Let our voices be heard. Black lives matter. Keep spreading the word. Thank you. What was the reception like? I was the first to speak and we were told we had like a five minute window. So I did rush a little bit with what I was saying. I felt like I really could have slowed yeah. down a bit. I really wanted to, people to hear what I was saying, but I was really nervous as well. So the first few lines, it was a bit like, like that. I sounded a bit like a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like the more I got into it and the more I felt what I was saying, there was complete silence from everybody. So you could, you could tell that everyone was listening. They're actually listening to what you were saying. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there's, you know, when you do have some protests, sometimes that you go to, there are people that, you know, there's conversations going on here and there. So there's a lot of murmurs in the background sometimes and they're not always paying attention to a speaker. Um, but here, there was just complete silence across the whole field. And wow. Yeah, it was, I could almost hear my echoes from the microphone. I was like, oh, this is a bit, <laughs> this is a bit scary. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just, the more I got into it, the more I could feel it coming out of me, the passion from what I wrote. And then, you know, the reaction at the end was just, you know, it was amazing because like the applause just went on for across the whole back of the field. And, yeah. you know, the people that were running it as well, they, you know, they were like, that was amazing. Like they just gave such a nice reaction to it. And you know, I wasn't going there to get, you know, the attention or sure. a reaction, but it was, you know, to know that, you know, people remember what I said and they felt something from it, which is what, you know, at the end of the day, when we all go to do something like this, that's what you want. You want people to feel what you're saying. So, yeah, and it managed to get into their local paper. You know, I had lots of words from people after saying that, you know, what you said was amazing. And yeah, afterwards, I just felt, I just felt so good for doing it. And I just felt like, you know, there are people here who might have had a misconception of what this is about. Mm. And, you know, there'll probably be some people sitting there that are doing it because everybody else is, because obviously some people took it as the use of a trend when right. it wasn't, it's not a trend. There's a purpose. There's like a, a whole purpose behind it. Yeah. Like it's, it's nice to know that, you know, your words resonated with a lot of people and that they're going to take something away from it and learn from it and realize, you know, that things do need to change and then, you know, go and tell the people, their friends, their family and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of amazing how something in America could create this, like, ripple effect across the yep. world. Inspired you to go to your first protest. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
and then inspire you to become a speaker as well i know <laughs> and then it's like you're going through all of these emotions trying to write this speech yeah you pull it off it's resonating with like the crowd yeah and i think it's a testament to how all of these experiences are connected yeah as people of color we go through this this yeah. isn't like mm-hmm. a one off yeah, it's not thing. just a moment. It's yeah, yeah this is it's an everyday, everyday life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. If there was something that you would be hopeful or optimistic for in this year that's upon us. <laughs> yeah. It's great year. <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? I mean, in terms of experiencing the protests and saying the words that I did last year and, you know, being a, t- a primary school teacher as well, I think that trying to incorporate you know, this movement into into learning somehow within, you know, the classroom, I think is so important because there's going to be children that unfortunately, you know, as they get older, they are going to experience racism, they are going to experience discrimination from people. And it's not going to be just black children, it's going to be Asian children, European children as well that are going to experience some kind of comment from someone who doesn't know anything about their background or culture. And I think that You know, it's important for children to understand people are different and there are different cultures and different ethnicities and backgrounds. And if that can be put into the school curriculum as early as possible, even through something as simple as like a children's book. A lot of children's books, when I was a kid, the characters were always white. You know, it's not something you notice when you were seven years old, really, because at the time you're reading a book and you're excited to see what the dog's going to do when he jumps in the pool, (laughs) you know, (laughs) something like that. But I feel like now, you know, children have become a lot more intelligent as they've got younger and, you know, they become a lot more aware of their surroundings. And a lot of that's to do with TV, social media, and just the way that the world has moved. But yeah, I feel like, you know, introducing black characters into into children's books and, you know, into lessons and, you know. Cartoons. Yeah, cartoons. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, I remember when I was a kid as well, you know, something as simple as watching a proud family on Disney Channel. It was such a great cartoon and it was nice to see that, you know, they were including a black family within cartoons. And, you know, like you said, you know, and it's such a simple thing to, to change. Right. Like something as small as that can have such a massive impact. Right. And yeah, I think that's for me, especially going into teaching. I always want to make sure that my kids feel like they are equal to everybody else in the classroom. And, you know, for them to realize that, you know, their opportunities that they can have are just the same as any other person on this earth and that you know they shouldn't feel like they should hold back from you know going for that interview or for that job or for a sports team or anything like that because of their color or because of what they've heard someone else say when you know no it's got nothing to do with your color you are worthy just like everybody else so yeah i like that i feel like i really like that that phrase or call to action you are worthy Mm -hmm. yeah Um, especially for like young kids no matter what their color, they're worthy. Yeah, 100%. Mark, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to the Dell. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening in. Next time, we'll be back with an episode dedicated to the tragic events that took place in Atlanta. We must do all that we can to stop Asian American hate and unite to support our friends 
our family, and our neighbors. This is The Delve. I'll see you Sunday.